right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode here at the Crypto 101 podcast. It is I, your host, Pizza Mind, joined today by the best of the best. We have Bryce Paul with us. How are you doing over there, Bryce? Shabbat Shalom. Uh, no, things are good. Uh, I'm happy to be back. Uh, I'm happy to be back with a market that is up. Uh, I went away for a week with some family and I came back. Uh, I was really offline and I came back and holy smokes, I was extremely surprised uh, by this positive momentum in the market. Uh, maybe a bear ending breakout in the weekly candle, 20% up in one week for the first time in years. And every single time that this has happened, it's marked the end of a bear market if we had a 75% drawdown over the course of six months. Um, so well, that's I, pretty optimistic of you, Bryce. Yeah. It also could be the very first bull trap, which we haven't seen yet. <laughs> or this could just be completely related to the fall of the U.S. dollar. So True. be careful. And I really want to stress, be careful to our audience. And there's so many other ways to measure success other than price movements. And that's something that we really want to hammer home this month is just because your coin isn't making 100x this month, it doesn't mean it's failing. And to Does further it? highlight this point, <laughs> we're bringing back our old friend, Dave Balter from Flipside Crypto to drop some knowledge on us. Dave, welcome back. It's been far too long. You're now back on the Crypto 101 podcast. Thrilled to be here. This is this is like a dream come true. You look thrilled. Like <laughs> yeah. I am. I'm thrilled. Do I need to Whoever's smile? behind the scenes pointing the gun at your head, we really appreciate you being here as well. Uh, Dave, how you been? It's been a little while. It's been a crazy bear market. Uh, but as Bryce said, it might be over. What are you seeing over there on your side of things? Where do you lie on that argument at the moment? Uh, I mean, I think of, uh, you know, everyone, everyone's been talking about this bear market before it ever even happened, wishing it into existence. Then we had some really serious stuff happen in 2022 that forced it to happen. Uh, but I think... I think we're um, the resilience of this space is being proven at this very moment with, you know, in almost any industry, if if those types of uh, black swan events or crazy fraud or all that stuff happen, the whole industry would be over. And yet we're seeing uh, consistency and, and strength. So could could it be over? I don't know. No, no, no idea. I'm not that good, but <laughs> it certainly feels good that the, the market's moving up. Yeah, they, they say like what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Uh, Pete, you've taken a few hits in your day, and, and you're you're still around, and you've recovered. <laughs> well, you can still see some mental damage remains, but uh, <laughs> I'm still here at least. I haven't been uh, completely knocked out of the match, even if I'm knocked out on my feet. But yes. um, the, let's let's first learn a little bit about Flipside Crypto because it has been a couple of years since you've been here. Uh, our audience has grown considerably since then, thankfully. Uh, tell us what is Flipside Crypto? What do you guys do over there, and why you got into doing what you're doing? Hmm. So yeah, so I'll, I'll start where we are today. It's I mean I mean the last time we were here, we were a very different business. Um, the um, the foundation's the same. We're we're sort of best in class at extracting and cleaning and curating data for blockchains and making it available to analysts. Um, what we do with that is relatively unique. Um, we um, our philosophy is that blockchains um, are uh, organizations that are learning how to sustain themselves, even with great technology. And so Flipside goes and helps those ecosystems thrive. We drive acquisition of community members. We drive retention. 
Um, and of course, we deliver the ability to have on-demand insights, uh, which is sort of a lifeblood of, of any healthy ecosystem. Um, <clears throat> the way we do that is we um, uh, create our own sort of nodes and validators within the ecosystem. We obtain yield, usually through a large delegation, and we turn the yield into, think of them as bite-sized um, payments for certain types of activities uh, within that ecosystem. It might be uh, opening a wallet and creating a first query. It might be solving an, an insight challenge, and it might be uh, taking part in uh, developer activities or other things, but we use that yield in order to help that ecosystem begin to motivate its community um, to outcomes. Interesting. And, and so, yeah, that, that seems like it has changed a little bit because um, in the early days when you guys were first putting together a lot of your data on chain, um, I seem to remember there were a lot of traders that were using this uh, information to kind of make actionable decisions. Um, do you still find that there's traders that are using this data to see if there's, um, you know, an upcoming sort of uh, catalyst that might move price one direction or another? Um, so there is. So let, let, we'll do a little bit of history sake. So we, we've always been sort of uh, effective at pulling data out of the blockchain and making it available. Uh, we, uh, I think the last time I was on, we were running a rating system where our data would be consolidated into ratings people could use to evaluate assets. Um, we eventually started building dashboards ourselves. So someone would see ratings. Hey, can we, can you build me an insight dashboard? So we started doing that in April of 2021, we had 50 customers, many brand name blockchains. And we realized for a variety of reasons that it was an untenable business to build a, a blockchain ourselves, or sorry, a dashboard ourselves for each blockchain it was just too much work and maintenance. And we, Ultimately, for a variety of reasons, we let go of 40 of those customers. We gave them all their money back. Wow. And we decided that it would be better to have the community build those dashboards as needed on demand in real time. Um, and what we found from that, of course, is that that, you know, empowering the community to go build these things created a whole lot of a, of a stronger outcome because the community knows exactly what's needed in real time. So to answer your question, yes, many, many, you know, the data is free. Anyone can use our data for free. Many people use it to build trading signals or other things. Uh, but they can also, it can also be used to just understand, you know, application health that can be used to understand, um, you know, comparative NFT, uh, you know, uh, production across chains. It can be used for anything. Um, and we help analysts do that. And you guys have data on some of the largest projects um, I saw on your site, Ethereum, Solana, Algorand, Flow, Near, Osmosis, uh, a lot more. And mm -hmm. you know, like you said, people could use it in a, a variety of different ways. But really what I think Crypto 101 listeners would be uh, really impressed to get to know is um, how they could earn money, right, by going to Flipside and learning about these projects. Um, so how does that learn, earn, repeat kind of tagline really work for listeners of yeah. Crypto 101? Yeah, um, you go to, uh, you know, flipsidecrypto.xyz. That's where you can see any of the bounties that are open and available. Um, there's an earn, I think there's an earn tab on that page. And right there, you'll see opportunities. You click one and uh, go write a query, go, you know, take part in that opportunity 
and you can earn native tokens to um, whichever partner is offering that. So um, yeah, whether it's Solana or Flow or you know uh, Thorchain or, or others, that's where you can go very easily um, obtain tokens for the work that you produce for that chain. And so is a Solana, Algorand, near kind of foundation, are they coming to Flipside Crypto and giving you guys um, kind of you know, a stash of coins and saying, you know, we'll use these 100,000 coins uh, to incentivize activity? And, or, or how does that partnership really work? Or do you go out to them? Um, how do people actually get these tokens and where are they coming from? Um, so, yeah, that's a good. The, the, uh, I'll try to keep it as, as simple as possible. The, the, the uh, most obvious <clears throat> and significant relationships for us are pure delegations. The um, treasury will delegate to us uh, millions or tens of millions of tokens. We'll use that to drive yield. And it's the yield, the return that's coming off of those tokens, which turns into the, the payments we will pay out to the um, to the participants. So they're using their own treasury assets in a delegation model to fund this program. Um, in some sense, is not spending any of their mm-hmm. treasury money. Um, we like that because we become a true partner in their ecosystem where, you know, the price goes up, yield goes down, price goes down, yield goes up. We're in the same camp as them. All right. And so what typically happens is we'll accept one of those delegations and then we put a few teams to work. We extract and make that data available. We build those bounties, but then we have a whole protocol advocacy team, which is going into the community and finding out what their pains are and what they need solved in real time to turn into bounties. We'll activate our governance team to actually go and help proposals and effective voting happen within that ecosystem because all of those things influence the outcomes of the entire chain. And we're a partner in that process as a, as a validator. Um, there are some cases we will start ourselves. Um, we will begin our own validator node and then the chain usually shows up and says, how can we add to this? But most cases, it's a relationship that begins with um, a discussion with the with the chain and the foundation. I think that's really important to note as well. Where this yield is coming from when you're getting it as an end user, if it's from a lend-borrow situation or some kind of crypto earn uh, where your money is no longer on the platform as we're now seeing unwind with the whole Gemini fiasco, uh, if your earn is coming from network inflation, that's one of the safest places that you can actually get it. Uh, other than a governance vote, that's going to be there until ho- however the inflation schedule is. Like You can pretty much take that to the bank. It's not going to change whether it's a bull or bear market, whether there's a million people using it or 100 people using that blockchain. It's still going to be there. So getting some kind of yield like that, sharing it back with users uh, is a tremendous type of thing to do. So that's fantastic. In terms of users on these blockchains, are you seeing a lot of them just dry up over the last year? Or is there still a lot of activity compared to maybe the 2019 and 2020 bear market? Um, so um, I'd, I'd start at what type of activity, right? So um, I think less in um, pure raw count of individuals or wallets and more of what's the behaviors of those wallets. So um you know, we're seeing in a bear market, you see a lot more what I'd consider um, sort of buckled in good, healthy ecosystem behaviors. 
uh, wallets that are building things, um, activities that are leading to outcomes for dApps, et cetera. In a, in a pure bull market, a lot of folks show up just to try to make a quick buck and sort of think of those as short-term wallets. They'll come in, they'll do some things, they'll sort of leave. You want, you want wallets in your ecosystem that are there for the long run, that are going to be actively using different products you're building or being a partner in how you're running your governance processes. In this market, you're actually seeing quite a bit of uh, strength. A lot of a lot of folks are still there, and those folks are doing more and more in a market that is less pleasant. That's a great sign for some of our partners. Now, I kind of have like a chicken and the egg uh, kind of question for you, and and it's just in regards to uh, an application in the middle, and then users on one side and developers on the other. And it's kind of like a chicken and the egg problem because developers really only want to go to platforms or applications where there's lots of users, but users don't really want to go to a platform if it's not really developed with lots of applications and usability. So have you seen um, you know, any good examples of what makes a DAP ecosystem successful? Yeah. Well, let's start at, um, uh, we, we think of this in sort of potential and kinetic energy. So potential energy is a ah. chain has sort of lots of money and lots of big names around it, but there isn't a lot of people building. Kinetic energy is when like, whoa, like everyone's building here. There's lots of activity, a Solano or a flow, just things are just naturally happening. Um, so I, I, those are both valuable propositions. There's a lot of good moments to get into a chain that has potential energy. Maybe it hasn't, its yield is still incredibly high on its, on its nodes or things like that, or, or you get to be, the the app that can go build the first decks on that chain that's amazing right but then there's also benefit to going to a chain with volume because you're going to get immediate users both of those how you work within both of those is important um so I, you know i would basically say like in the realm of potential and kinetic um uh you want to I, I guess um as a chain you want to be um changing your strategy to match where you live within your sort of volume mindset in a, in a chain that doesn't have applications or anything yet, you might um, uh, optimize for acquisition programs, help people come in, open a wallet, write their first query, build their first app in a chain where there's lots of volume. You might be focused on retention. I have a lot of wallets, but they seem to go away. How do I give them experiences that teach them about all the products that are being built so they choose to stay, right? So this is natural customer segmentation and cohorting. We're getting into a, a maturing of the space where blockchains can start thinking about their uh, communities in different ways. Hey guys, TiVo here to tell you about the Ufi Video Lock, a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell all in one. That's right, three in one for triple the security. It's easy to install. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver, no drilling required. It gives you keyless entry, so no more fumbling your keys when you have your hands full coming back from the grocery store. No more worry about the kids losing a house key. No more worry about a guest losing the house key or forgetting the passcode on your door. 
And for Airbnbers, it's a no-brainer as you can change the passcode at will between renters. It has available fingerprint recognition and it has AI self-learning chips. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You will have no anxiety with the battery charging. It is a rechargeable battery and it lasts around four months. But don't worry, when it's low, it'll give you plenty of weeks notice. And also it always comes with a physical key as a backup. There's no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee to get your backup recordings. They're always recorded locally and you will always have access. Customer support for the Eufy Video Lock is 24 seven. So you don't have to worry about any issues you have. And it comes with an 18 month warranty. What I love about this product is it is truly all-in-one with the three-in-one. You don't have to go out and buy multiple parts. It's all in this package with the Eufy Video Lock. So if you're interested in learning more, go on Amazon and search Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock. Again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Eufy Video Lock. Get complete control over your front door. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. I've kind of always been curious. Um, do, it, do you have an estimation? Does Flipside Crypto have an estimation for how many crypto users there are in the entire sort of, you know, crypto universe? Um, I've seen some estimates between, you know, a hundred, a hundred million, some, you know, 200 million. Um, I know Coinbase has like a hundred million users. What, what do you guys kind of see? I don't have an answer. Um, okay. I tend to think um, any prediction of what there is today is, or yes, or last year or the year before is entirely flawed to the true uh, proposition, the value prop of this industry. Like we're building solutions and technologies that most of the world still doesn't quite understand yet. And you're going to see waves of people come and go. And that's great, right? That's how innovation is starting to really take shape here. You're in a, I don't know, third, fourth, fifth wave of true innovation where people have jumped in and jumped out and jumped in and jumped out. It doesn't really matter how many there are. So long as that innovation is continuing and the rules are getting clearer, and the outcomes are becoming more powerful. That's what's happening. You can see it. Um, amazing. I, I mean, love and, that. And this week alone, like 
catastrophic event in 2022 and let alone this the space is still resilient and building i mean it's incredible yeah the things that are built to last will last and what isn't crumbles and you're just left with a really hardened ecosystem after that like uh, i could have sworn solana was going to fail and collapse after ftx or after ftx collapsed but here they're still around they got a sticky community um, did you think yeah. that they were going to fail or did you kind of see the, the writing on the wall of like how all the robust development? I mean, I mean, we're so deep in Solana, like, like we see <laughs> what's happening, like that thing's not going away. I mean, that is, there are so many people. Wow. And then, you know, what's interesting is what appears next. I mean, the, the bonk type of thing that shows up on Solana and, and really, uh, goes back to this, like real users who want to come build and do different things. And Bonk can show up and revitalize and energize that community to start to build again. Um, but yeah, we're in we're in the bowels of their data, and I would tell you, like Solana's for real; they're not going anywhere. It's not a dead uh, project, apparently. No, it's not a dead project. And and uh, well, you know, there's know. A, there's a chain with Kinetic Energy. There's real builders building real things. Uh, you know, we're you're going to go through ups and downs in any industry, but like those real builders are still there to do good things. When someone's doing their due diligence to find out if something is really active or if it's dying, what are some metrics should they really pay attention to? Is it developer activity? Is it on-chain transactions? And if so, how many a day? Is it validator count? Like what metrics really give you an indicator that this thing is healthy and thriving? The industry, that's a great question. That is amazing. The industry is still focused on vanity, Okay. The real metric, go to any substantive industry, the number one metric people look at is retention, okay? Right, it's, it's harder to like refill the bucket, you know, leaky bucket, all that sort of stuff. Like it's retention. If you have wallets that remain active and you can extend the lifespan of those wallets, it kind of doesn't matter if they spend a little bit or a lot, et cetera. You want community to stay engaged over time. And I think we're just hitting that moment in the industry where uh, blockchains and protocols are paying attention to what might be considered traditional metrics, like length of time uh, a community member is active, you extend that and you're going to have a lot longer lifespan of that um, application or blockchain. Yeah, no, it's, it's going to be a variety of things that I think keeps customers around or keeps users around. Um, but I remember you know, back in 2020 um, when DeFi summer really hit and synthetics was like, and you know, pioneering this yield farming thing, and Compound was doing yield farming. Everybody was like, "What's yield farming?" And you know, you you go, you use the platform, and for using the platform, you earn tokens. But then everybody caught on, and everybody started doing it. And so there was this idea of mercenary capital. You'd move from one chain to another, and then everybody was raising a bunch of money. And so that like didn't allow people to really retain users. Um, what's the next evolution of this? And I see you nodding your head. You're like, yes, I remember that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's so obvious. Like TVL, well, TVL, if it shifts from one chain to another or whatever, like that's not healthy and that's bad for the whole right. industry. People should pick and, and continue to build. Um, so, um, you know, those, those, are, those are bad signals, I guess. Um, so I think a couple things. Um, I think I think one of the waves is going to be um, the organization of DAOs as the operating system. Um, we, DAOs are still ex incredibly early. They're the way the communities organize. 
and stay consistent and beneficial to their to the blockchains that they that they're um, you know that they support. Um, it's still so early. We sort of came through the you know point five of DAO, you know community behavior and what works and what doesn't. Um, that's going to be a big big opportunity that as those solidify will transform what the next wave looks like. Um, so I would pay a lot of attention to that over, you know, can I build a protocol with, with good yield? Uh, Cause that's, that's fleeting. Yeah. What, what are some of the most successful DAOs that you see currently? I, 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 when I think of DAOs, I always just think of maker DAO just because it's in the name and they're always putting yeah. up new governance votes, but I know there's a lot of successful ones. Yeah. Well, I would say um, I would start by thinking of DAOs, the best Future DAOs are going to be ones that take Web2, call it Web2 applications, and create Web3 service properties. So I think Bankless is an interesting DAO. It's a media platform. Media has been around forever, Web2, media. But they figured out how to create a broader use case that opens wide the entire market for how media, how people are able to take part in creating media, and on the other side, how that media is produced. In a, in a Web3 format. We happen to have spun out Flipside in October of 2021, spun out its all of its IP and gave it to a DAO called Metrics DAO. Now there's some amazing service properties there. You can use Metrics DAO for any size insight. Any data provider can take part, Dune or Flipside or the graph or Nansen, right? Transpose, it doesn't matter. They're all in there playing. That changes the opportunity for how data is able to be produced across Web3. So think of a DAO as a service provider uh, that can go and build outcomes across the entire Web3 ecosystem. That's really interesting. So rather than having all this kind of data data analysis siloed, now you're all working together to create even better insights. And that's what a DAO can create. So what would a podcast DAO look like? Like a huge network of podcasts or ours is Monday, someone else's is Tuesday, or they have something. Ah. As soon as you said it, the world recognizes. That's not happening in the universe. Yeah. Um, Never mind that. um, I think there could be a podcast DAO, you know, like think of all the creators who want to create podcasts and probably need education what tools do they use? How do they communicate? What formats? What platforms? And then on the other side, all the providers of content to the market, right? You mentioned at the beginning some of the places before the call. I think some of the cases, places that Crypto 101 will be playing, you put all that into an open ecosystem where everyone gets to play a role in how to build healthy podcasts and support each other. It gets big enough. That's a lot of listeners for every podcast that's in there like that opens the whole idea uh, much bigger. I think a new organizational construct for outcomes. How do DAOs make money though? Or is that not the goal at all? Well, a DAO, some DAOs will have a tokenization construct so that as, uh, you know, in metrics DAO as an example, as um, a customer A has an insight that is required and that customer could be an institution or an investor or a blockchain, they put a request into the DAO and analysts go to work to solve that equation using any data provider. Now, those analysts are paid by that, that customer's ask. They're putting con- uh, capital in there to create the ask. And the DAO takes a little fee for running the service within that. 
Now that fee goes into the treasury. All that's run by a token. You can see how, how the treasury could build up to create more valuable service for the ecosystem. Um, okay. So that makes lot, sense. Yeah. There's lots of ways this could, this could be monetized. I got a, I got a squirrely question for you, but, uh, AI, right? Artificial intelligence has started to get pretty hot uh, with the chat GPT open AI sort of um, system. And I've been using it. I think it's pretty interesting. You could ask it all sorts of different questions and it's it's really cool. And it's governed by a centralized company, right? And the company basically says, well, you can't ask it uh, these sorts of questions. It won't give you these kinds of answers. And it's very censored. So is there ever a world where a DAO governs an AI system? Um, where a DAO governs? Um, probably, yes. Um, uh, you know, the DAO should make decisions about what uh, capabilities that AI should or shouldn't have. Are we going to end up in like the Terminator, you know, where AI <laughs> is taking all over Skynet or, you know, or is it a force for good? Um but yeah, that might be a very useful application of, uh, you know, you might even you might even say that there should be a DAO responsible for maybe AI in in general, like setting policies and and uh, allowing any AI provider to come take part in the process of of distributing effective AI. Right, that's where DAOs get interesting. Not where there's one service provider it's when all of the providers can come together and work together mm. to create a greater good that's where they where it gets extremely interesting it's not about one vendor it's about everybody playing in one sandbox and it almost reminds me um of the the hedera hash graph um kind of consortium right where they have google and they have a bunch of these different you know large companies that are all coming to hedera um, and building on the same, like you said, the same sandbox. Um, and I guess that's a form of a DAO too, right? That's correct. Yes. And they, I think Hedera was very early and it's funny cause they came through an era of like, you know, lots of FOMO and like, Oh my God, but Hedera is over here kind of building a real consortium with institutions and allowing everyone to sort of take part in that. I think they were very forward in their thinking. Yeah, so it's like, you know, I see Google and LG and Boeing and, and Deutsche Telekom and um, a bunch of these things. And so they could still have, you know, their own businesses, but they could also have certain applications that they deploy uh, in here that kind of interact where Google and IBM and LG data can all be shared uh, trustlessly in this one little environment. Um, and, and, you know, it's experimental right now, I think, still. Uh, but it does show a lot of promise because you could have, like you said, these uh, these um, larger sort of applications that span data sets from all different companies. Um, mm -hmm. And the DAO sort of organizes that and keeps the incentives aligned. Um, so who knows? It could be the, the way of the future. I'm optimistic. <laughs> it's good. Optimism. Yeah, definitely. Um, if someone's out there listening and they want to become an actual data analyst you know, we try and provide the best educational resources we can. We have TA classes, we have fundamental analysis classes, you know, for, you know, pretty much all stages. But when it comes to really, really getting in the weeds of data analysis, that is like a whole nother level. Do you guys over at MetricsDAO provide any kind of education for someone who really, really, really wants to become the next Dave Balter? I mean, you wouldn't want me to write your code, trust me, or analyze your your, your data. But there are plenty who do. Um, 
But yeah, Metrics DAO, actually one of the core components of Metrics DAO is education. And uh, every week, uh, data providers go and actually walk through how to use their tools or how to write certain queries or how to use SQL a certain way. So, I mean, Metrics DAO is doing that all the time uh, for multiple data providers and multiple tools. So if you want to learn how to become an analyst, it's a great place to go get that type of education. Love it. All right. Well, if anybody wants to check it out, where can we send them uh, to keep tabs on everything you're doing with Flipside Crypto's new app? Um, uh, so the new app, you go to flipsidecrypto.xyz and uh, right there. Um, I think you could also go to flipsidecrypto.new. Um, I hope that's right. Um, to, yeah. Ooh, uh, hot. Um, to actually <laughs> go, uh, um, go use the app. And the app, to be, to be really clear, our data is 100% free for anybody. So you can go access all of, all of our data. Uh, you don't have to even, you know, you could get paid as a bounty, but if you don't want to get paid, you could still use the data entirely for free. All That's right, amazing, everybody. Dave. Yeah. Um, just a couple more questions before we let you go. Um, you've been around the crypto space for forever now. You've seen bad actors go. You've seen good actors come. Of some of the new projects out there, what's one of the founders that impresses you the most as you've gone through your negotiations and stuff or developers, just someone who just really sticks out above the crowd that we need to watch out to who might be the next Satoshi or Vitalik? <laughs> you had me no until pressure. the end. Who's going to be the next Satoshi or Vitalik? <laughs> no pressure. Yeah, I mean, my God. In terms okay. of popularity. Yeah, in terms of popularity. So I think I'm going to I'm gonna put two, two answers here. I, I do want to start with the like, there have been a lot of bad actors and um, it's been unpleasant. It's hurt the industry. Um, I just, I do think we need real good executive leadership. So I think of, of people like Jeremy Allaire at Circle who, you know, they're, they build real companies governed by the rules, doing good things in healthy ways. And we can't, we can't forget it's the importance of the difference between a quick buck, which I think a lot of people, you know, or have approached the space at and building a real, you know, hundred year company. Um, so I, I do look up to Jeremy quite a bit. He's, he's, I think he's, he's really powerful figure in the industry. Um, on new, um, I think of, of Sergey at Axelar. Um, he came out of early out of Algorand. He's built this interchain product Axelar, which I think is incredible. He is, he's one of the brightest minds I've ever engaged with. Um, he's unassuming, quiet, humble um but he really really understands what he's he's setting out to do for interchain behaviors and i would i would watch them very closely killer all right well some great uh future satoshis to keep our tabs on uh <laughs> well dave thank you so much for coming on to the crypto 101 podcast yet again um and hey we look forward to bringing you back on again one of these days all right guys thanks The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. 
Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.